Welcome to the Awareness Offerings Podcast, a weekly offering of yoga philosophy discussion and guided meditation for the moments we're living in. I'm your host, Laura Tara Davy Joplin. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, spiritual social media strategist, and integrative counselor, working to integrate the principles of the spiritual path into every aspect of my work and my life. This podcast is an extension of that work as I navigate the world as a white woman devotee of yoga, living at many intersections of privilege, living in the West, and trying to live with awareness. Thank you for joining me in this work. You're listening to episode two, Yoga for Hard Things. Now, when I say hard things, of course, I mean things that are difficult. So if you came here expecting something sexy, that is not this podcast episode. I can't say that that will never be the topic of a podcast episode that I share with you, but not this one. Either way, I am glad you're here. And on that note, before we go into our opening practice of OM together, I just want to take a moment to say thank you. I'm sitting here recording the second episode of this podcast, which means last week was launch. I was able to launch the podcast and share my first episode, and I just want to say thank you so much for the support that you've shown so far, for the way that you've shown up to listen and given given me feedback and just been here in this new space with me. And I'm really grateful that I get to share my devotion to the teachings of yoga and my devotion to the practice of trying to live with reality and awareness in the here and now in these wild times with you in this format. So thank you for showing up for that and for all of your support. And if you would like to continue to offer support for this podcast, the most helpful thing you can do is rate and review it because that will help my standing on the streaming platforms that this is currently hosted on, this podcast. Um, But you can also share. If the teachings land well in your heart, please do share. And that's so helpful for this work. So thank you again for your support. And now we'll go into our opening practice of OM. Like I shared at the beginning of last podcast, I'd like to start every one of these awareness offerings by singing OM. OM is the sound of consciousness. It is said to be the hum of the universe, a representation of that fundamental consciousness that animates all things. And so to sing OM is to call on consciousness. And since awareness, aka consciousness, really is the heart of this offering that I'm sharing with you on this podcast, I want to start every single one just by calling consciousness into the space. So I'll invite you to sing one OM with me, and you can do that out loud by singing along, or you can just listen silently, and that is also a deep practice. I'll invite you into a seat that's comfortable if you're able, just lengthening your spine, dropping your shoulders back and down so the center of your chest lifts and you're going into this space in the posture of an open heart. I'll invite you to soften your jaw. Perhaps you close your eyes if that feels supportive. If it does not, that's okay. You can just gaze softly at the floor in front of you. Of course, if you're doing something like driving, please don't close your eyes. Please keep your focus on the road or whatever task is in front of you. And before we sing one sound of OM, the sound of consciousness, we'll take a full breath together. In through the nose, if you can. Deep breath out through the nose, just clearing the pathway for consciousness. And then we'll inhale for OM. Oh. 
Thank you for joining me in that opening consciousness ritual. And now we'll talk about what we're going to talk about today. I am recording this episode on the day that it comes out because there is a lot going on in my own life right now. I have all of my work duties and yoga teacher duties and I just started uh, my summer semester of graduate school last week. So there is just kind of integrating more work into my schedule um, while also trying to practice and stay connected to consciousness however I can. And right now my dad is going through um, a pretty serious health crisis that's uh, a, a pretty upsetting and it is most likely going to be resolved but the process of resolution uh, it's a lot so all that is to say there is a lot happening and so it's appropriate that today I'm going to talk about yoga for doing hard things because one of the gifts of yoga practice and by that I mean all kinds of yoga practice so Perhaps it is asana practice, the physical movements that connect us to body awareness and prepare us for internal awareness. But maybe it's meditation practice or breath practice. Those are forms of yoga. Maybe it is serving other people or doing self-inquiry, self-awareness practice. Those are also yoga practices. Maybe it is connecting to the sacred in worship or prayer or praise that is also yoga so when i say yoga practice i mean all kinds of yoga practice but one gift of the deep system the deep and multifaceted system of yoga practice is that it reminds us of our capacity to do hard things and to put the hard things down Yoga practice reminds us of our capacity to do hard things and to put the hard things down. And so when I think about this concept, which is one that came up while I was teaching a yoga class yesterday, I had my students and we were going through a pretty strong practice. It involved um, a lot of pretty vigorous movement at times, some twisting, some arm strength. It was just a generally strong asana practice. And so as they were resting in shavasana and putting down the work to digest the practice they had just done, this sort of idea came to me and I shared it with them. I should say it came through me because I am very much um, aware that any of the ideas and concepts and teachings that come out of my mouth when I'm teaching do not come from me. They don't belong to me. They are a product of the just thousands of years of accrued wisdom of teachers and mystics and practitioners and people walking the spiritual path. So as I was teaching, this idea came through me, wherever it came from, it came through me and I shared with my students in Shavasana that the gift of yoga is that it reminds us of our capacity to do hard things and to put the hard things down. So for my students, kind of the literal meaning of that was that they did a hard thing. They did a vigorous, strong practice. And I want to be clear that doing the practice doesn't mean that the practice had to look any certain way. The fact that they showed up and they moved through the practice and continued to be themselves and be in the room, that that matters. That is them doing the practice. Um, so they did a hard thing just by showing up 
and doing the practice. And now they were in this moment of shavasana, right? The final pose of yoga, where we rest on the earth in some comfortable way that gets us completely held in stillness. So in this moment of stillness, they were putting down the hard stuff so that they had the space to really process and absorb and benefit from the practice in a deeper way. So when I talk about this concept that came up during this class yesterday, what comes to mind is kind of a dance, right? We are called as people on a yogic or spiritual path to sharpen our skills so that we're able to do hard things, but we're also called to put the hard things down when it's time. So we are refining our strength and our ability to hold ourselves and hold our practices and hold everything that comes at us in life but not hold on too tightly, right? To release when it's time and put down the stuff so that we have a chance to process and to integrate um, and just to kind of refine that skill of strength by resting so that we then have more strength to give the next time it's time to do a hard thing. So to me, this dance comes to mind doing hard things and putting hard things down, one of the fundamental gifts of yoga practice. And to me, what this means is that it's about not going too far in either direction, not going too far into the commitment to hard things, but also not going too far into the release and putting things down. So for example, we might use the tools and teachings of yoga practice to cultivate enough internal strength to do anti-bias work in our lives. And what I mean by anti-bias work is, especially for those of us at intersections of privilege, and just to name my own privilege, I am a white woman. I'm a bisexual woman who is straight passing. I have a small body. I have middle class privilege. Um, I have many, I sit at many intersections of privilege. So for those of us with privilege, because we grew up in a world that privileges certain aspects of ourselves, we have become unconsciously biased toward some of those things that we just think are normal, but really it's just a result of our privilege. We have been conditioned to believe that we are the baseline, we are the quote-unquote normal, because that those quote-unquote normal qualities are what our society privileges. So those of us with privilege have these biases, and sometimes they come up. Actually, let me not even say sometimes. They do come up. They always come up, whether we're conscious of them or not. And it could happen in a way that's really overt or really subtle. But for this example, I'll use kind of a more overt, on-the-nose situation. So perhaps I am moving through the world and I see someone in a larger body and my first reaction to them is judgment or frustration. These biases that come from the messaging I've received that my smaller body is the norm and anything else is wrong, right? So that bias comes up and then it is my job as a person who wants to live with consciousness and awareness to notice that bias in the moment, to perhaps come to my breath, to give myself a little space in between me and that bias, 
and then to recognize it as that, as a bias that is not rooted in reality and to try to shift my perspective either in that moment or over time. So when I say perhaps we use the tools of yoga to cultivate enough internal strength to do anti-bias work, that's the kind of work I'm talking about. Recognizing our biases as they come up so that we can both in the moment and over time shift our internal narrative to one that is more compassionate, aware, and rooted in reality. So perhaps we are using our yoga practice to cultivate that strength to do that anti-bias work. That is one example of yoga helping and empowering us to do hard things. Maybe it comes in the form of doing a really strong practice on the mat where we feel really capable of working hard in our bodies. And perhaps that awareness of our ability to work hard translates into our willingness to work hard to recognize and shift and heal our biases. So that is an example of doing hard things with the tools of yoga. But there's the dance. It comes up. So we want to be able to do those hard things, but we also want to be able to put down hard things when needed. And so in the example of doing our anti-bias work, which is incredibly important for all of us to do, I think putting it down would look like not getting so caught in awareness of our own biases that it becomes this overwhelming guilt that we feel so caught in guilt and shame about being a person who has biases which is natural because we all live in a biased world but that we become so consumed with guilt about that that we make it everyone else's job to fix our feelings right that we become so ashamed of our own biases that we then ask other people to do the emotional work of making us feel better about our biases rather than just recognizing them, sitting with the discomfort and doing the work of transforming them, right? So in this example of doing our anti-bias work, doing the yoga of hard things and the yoga of putting down the hard things would look like the willingness to look at those biases and transform them in the moment and over time and the awareness that we can't grasp onto them so tightly that we get consumed with some kind of guilt and then we can't function. We have to be able to hold ourselves enough to say, I I know I have biases, I'm still an okay person and I'm gonna continue to do better without making my guilt everyone else's problem. So that's one example of kind of a real world application of yoga reminding us of our capacity to do hard things and put the hard things down. And I share the example of anti-bias work because we, like I said, we're living in such a biased world and the reality of the harm and violence, those different biases that society teaches us, those realities are becoming more apparent every day and it's becoming more and more urgent that we do something about it. And by we, I mean those of us who benefit from the biased world. So that's why I share that example of anti-bias work. But I also want to just be clear that this yoga of doing hard things and putting hard things down, it can also come into play kind of on an internal and emotional level, right? Just thinking about 
everything that comes at us on a daily basis, there can be this mistaken idea that we have to hold all of that. Again, it's that idea of holding on a little too tightly, that we have to hold and be a container for every single thing that happens in the world or in our lives, right? I have my, my dad, he's going through this really intense health issue and I have to be able to be present in that without thinking I have to contain every single nuance of the situation and even fix the situation. So there's there can be this mistaken idea that we have to hold every single thing and this is where this yoga of doing hard things but putting hard things down can help us a little bit because it can remind us that yes we can do the hard work of being aware of everything that's happening whether it's in the world or in our lives we can absolutely have compassion and open-heartedness toward everything that's happening right Letting go of things does not mean we are not aware and compassionate around them. And we can cultivate those qualities without having to internalize them and be kind of squeezed under the weight of them. And so on an internal kind of how we move through the world on a day-to-day basis level, we can also remind ourselves through the tools of yoga of our capacity to do the hard work of just being aware in the world or aware in our lives but also putting things down at least for a moment or two so we have the space to process to be gentle with ourselves to digest without overfunctioning and overloading ourselves yesterday i saw a caption on Instagram from an incredible woman of color in the yoga space and in the educational space. Her name is Shanti Within, or her Instagram handle, I apologize. Her Instagram handle is Shanti Within, S-H-A-N-T-I, Within. Her name is Anusha Wijayakumar. And in her caption yesterday, she pointed out that the duality of life is suffering and joy. The duality of life is suffering and joy. And I saw that post after I had already decided that this was going to be the topic of today's podcast. And so it felt like a little synchronistic affirmation that I was on the right path in wanting to explore this topic. Duality, the duality of life is suffering and joy. And so to me, that points right back to that perpetual dance, the dance we do in practice, whatever our practice looks like, of not bypassing the suffering, whether it's our own suffering, the suffering of the people we love, the suffering caused by oppression, marginalization, not bypassing that suffering, but also not stealing our own joy by thinking that we have to be so all-consumed by that suffering or or just becoming so all-consumed by that suffering that we think we don't deserve the space to put it down for just, just enough time to process, to find our spark of joy, love, compassion, and open-heartedness. 
And then we can pick it back up again if we need to. That is that dance, not bypassing the suffering, but not stealing our own joy by becoming all consumed by it. Putting it down just long enough to open our hearts and touch into a deeper reality of peace and awareness and sweetness underneath all the chaos of the world. Because yes, if we put down the stuff, the hard stuff, we can always pick it back up again if we need to. In fact, we probably should with some of the stuff that's going on in our world. You know, we're going to have to pick it back up at some point, but that doesn't mean we can't put it down if we need to. So now we go into practice. We have discussed this idea of using the tools of yoga to remind ourselves of our capacity to both do hard things and to put the hard things down. We have cognitively, verbally discussed it, but now we get to embody it through practice. So this is where I will invite you to join me in a little contemplative mindfulness practice. We're going to do a little mantra, a little yoga practice of sound, and then we'll go into a visualization meditation. So if you're doing another task, if you're driving or washing your dishes or taking a shower, you might pause here and come back to this when you are in the space where you can do a little meditative practice. And if you're coming into meditative practice, once again, I will invite you into a comfortable seat. A comfortable seat is any seat, as long as you can lengthen your spine, get it strong and spacious, and as long as you're sitting upright. Like I said in the last pod, I will never judge you if you fall asleep during meditation, if that's what you need. However, since it's a consciousness practice, we typically want to be conscious. So sitting upright so we don't fall asleep and then finding any seat that allows that center line of the spine to be open enough so things can just kind of flow and align internally. So you can sit on the floor. If you do that, I'll encourage you to sit on something, whether it's a blanket or a cushion or a pillow. You could sit on a chair or your bed. You could, you know, prop yourself up with some blocks or blankets under your knees. You could cross your legs, but you don't have to, right? Just find your long and spacious spine. Find a natural forward curve in your lower back. The base of the spine is said to be the container for our spiritual energy or our life force energy. So when we open up that space, it's like inviting the energy of our own aliveness and consciousness to rise and take us with it. Then pulling your shoulders back and down again so the center of your chest lifts and you're doing this practice in the posture of an open heart. I'll invite you to tilt your chin parallel to the earth underneath you and then pull your chin backward ever so slightly. We tend to lean forward because we're always on our devices and such. So pull back slightly so your neck comes into alignment with your spine and you just have this column of aliveness in the spine here. Feel free to close your eyes if that's comfortable. If it's not, it's okay. Again, you can gaze softly at the floor. And we'll begin with some simple breath awareness if that is a practice that's supportive for you. Inhaling, breath comes in through the nostrils. Lungs and belly expand. Exhaling, breath moves out through the nostrils. Lungs and belly contract if nostril breathing is accessible for you. If not, breathe how you need to breathe. 
but perhaps starting to watch and listen for the breath. This dance of expansion and contraction that's happening within us at every moment that mirrors the expansion and contraction of doing hard things and putting hard things down. If breath awareness is not supportive or okay for you, you could also just bring your awareness to the beating of your heart, to the sounds around you, the backs of your eyelids, even the clothes on your skin. Just choosing one single point of awareness to help you land in a space of awareness of present moment reality, which is the ground upon which we meditate. So just taking a few breaths or a few moments to land in the reality of your present moment. You continue to breathe and settle, please, while I talk to you about the first practice we're going to do here. We're going to sing a mantra together. Mantras are sacred sounds that represent and call upon different forms of energy. In this case, and in the tradition of yoga, these forms of energy are often represented by the names of the divine, right? names of deities and sacred forms. But they're truly just essences. They are forms of energy. And we're calling upon that energy when we sing the mantras. You can put your own intention, your own words, your own visualizations behind the mantra that helps you connect to whatever energy we're connecting to. Because it's about how it lands in your own heart. The mantra that we're going to sing three times together, and again, you can do this silently or out loud, is Om. Shiva Shakti. Om Shiva Shakti. Right now you're just breathing. I'm just setting up the space for us so you can just continue to settle. I'm just going to explain to you a little bit of why we're singing that mantra. So Shiva and Shakti represent the principle of duality and wholeness, of balance in yoga. Shiva represents the divine masculine energy, which I have been taught is not about gender. It is about a certain feeling, a certain essence, a certain experience. It is the container, the strength, the sun. Shiva is associated with the sun. So for our purposes, that Shiva energy is that energy of holding the hard stuff, doing the hard things. That is Shiva. Now Shakti represents the divine feminine principle. Again, not about gender, about the essence. The essence of movement, fluidity, creativity. So if Shiva is the strength, Shakti is 
the ability to be fluid enough to also release things, let things go, put things down. She is the moon principle, ever-changing, ever-releasing. So Shiva Shakti, when we sing Om Shiva Shakti, which is literally calling on the names of Shiva and Shakti, we are asking to be in that integrative balance of doing hard things and putting hard things down. So we'll sing this mantra three times together, again, silently or aloud. And actually, please allow me to sing it once so that you can get an idea for how it sounds so you're ready, and then we'll do it three more times together, okay? So first, I'll just go as an example, and then we'll go into the mantra practice together. Om Shiva Shakti That's how it sounds generally. It doesn't have to sound exactly like that. That's just sort of the framework uh, of the mantra, how it, how it moves and flows. So we'll take a full breath and then we'll do that three times together. So please inhale. Full exhale, just clearing the pathway. And then we'll inhale to begin the mantra. Om Shiva Shakti. Om Shiva Shakti. just returning to witnessing your breath or witnessing your point of awareness whatever you've chosen and listening one of the things i really love about the yoga practice of sound is that it teaches us how to listen so listening inward for however your body, your heart, your nervous system respond to that practice of calling on the balance of doing hard things and letting them go, putting them down, Shiva Shakti. And now we'll take that same principle, Shiva Shakti, sun moon integration into a meditation. It involves a little creative imagination Please start by resting your palms face up. Backs of your hands rest on your legs or your lap. Palms are upturned toward the skies. Just turning them upward toward the sun and the moon. And then bring your awareness to your right hand. Just imagine sending your breath or your heartbeat or light or sensation, whatever it is. Just imagine sending it to your right hand. And then using your creative imagination, visualize holding the sun in your right hand. Perhaps this red, orange, or yellow ball of fire and light, warm and strong, a powerful container. Perhaps you feel the warmth washing over the right palm. 
perhaps you see and feel that orb in your right hand, just picturing the sun in the right hand. Breathing and focusing there for a moment, just taking in every detail of this holding of the sun in your right palm. Continuing to breathe or to hold yourself in awareness, however you chose to. And then shift your awareness to the palm of your left hand, please. Just sending your breath, your focus there, maybe imagining light or sensation. However you get your awareness to move to the left palm. And then please imagine holding the moon in your left hand. In your creative imagination, this visual of this silvery, glowing orb. The light a little softer than the sun. The temperature cooler. Perhaps the moon cools the palm of your left hand. And you see every crater, every inch of the moon's surface. You call upon that fluidity of the moon. If the sun is the strong container for all life, the moon is the fluid reflection that teaches us how to stay fluid and release when we need to. So here you visualize the moon, you feel and see it. Moon in the left hand. And now please bring your awareness to both palms, feeling the right and left hand, sun in the right, moon in the left, warm strength in the right palm, cooling openness in the left. It's kind of feeling yourself able to hold and practice both of those things, containing and releasing. And then on your next inhale, very slowly, please begin to circle your palms toward one another. But pause before they touch and allow the hands to attract and repel like magnets, moving closer together and then further apart. And perhaps you kind of feel that magnetic energy of those two polarities, sun and moon, strength and release in your hands. If you don't feel it, you can use your creative imagination to imagine it. Mental yoga is powerful. But perhaps you do feel it and you start to become aware of your own energy. And finally, on your next exhale, allow the palms to touch. Bring your thumbs to the center of your chest. Just imagining the light of sun and moon merging like you're creating an eclipse. The light and the awareness warming your heart. Perhaps bringing your awareness into the center of your chest, into your heart space. So that you affirm for yourself that you find that balance, that integration of doing hard things and putting the hard things down here. In the center. In your heart. 
And you can stay in this integration of the heart space for as long as you'd like. But when you're ready, you can release your hands, begin to blink your eyes open. And now you begin the practice of taking that integration of your ability to do the hard things and let them go into the world. Because that's kind of the point. The meditation doesn't stop. Thank you for joining me for this awareness offering and for going into embodied practice with me. You can find me on social media at Laura Tara, L-A-U-R-A-T-A-R-A on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. My intro and outro music was created by none other than my very own brother, Oxella Sun, O-X-E-L-A-S-U-N whom you can also find on Instagram. <laughs>